Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are continuing our preseason player preview series. Gavin, today we have one of the hardest Knicks to nail down as far as what expectations are and what he is right now. A, a lengthy enigma, Alex. Cam Reddish, will he get traded? What does it look like if it works out and he stays on the Knicks? How does that scenario play out? And much more in terms of what he did last season and our expectations for this season right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we are talking, as we said, about Cam Reddish today. Gavin, I I think this is going to be one of the hardest player previews that we do because I don't know, like you alluded to it in the intro, I don't know if there's a single player with on the Knicks with more tantalizing physical attributes than Cam. Like you see him on the floor and he almost doesn't look like he fits with most of the other players on this team. Like the Knicks to this point, you know, the, the roster that Leon Rose has built, I feel like are all other than maybe like Mitchell Robinson is the exception who he didn't bring in are almost all like guys that are either undersized or, you know, like just kind of more like built, but not really like these like, lanky dudes that you know need to work on some things in their game that have like all the physical tools in the world cam reddish is is that guy i mean he is like like super lanky super long has every physical tool you could ever ask for a lot of people in the class with rj barrett and zion williamson and and others from 2019 had him as the number one player coming out of high school in large part due to his you know physical attributes and and how good he looks there but his time with the Hawks was a little perplexing and his time with the Knicks was even more perplexing uh, last year with how little time he got. What, where do you gauge where we're at with Reddish right now before we get into sort of the, the big questions for him going into this season? Yeah, so let's let, let's start off by just kind of reviewing his career um, up to this point. Uh, he is entering his uh, fourth season in the NBA. He's still very, very young. He turned 23 years old uh, just a month ago. Um, last season for the year, averaged uh, 10 points, two rebounds, one assist, shot 40% from the floor, 36% from three, 90% from the foul line, though that was only on 112 attempts the whole season, which uh, we can we can get into more later. But I think uh, despite not playing very much in the Knicks, it's still an absurdly low total for someone with his length, speed, and athleticism. Um, around the rim. Uh, obviously, as we as we all know, he played uh, 
half the season for the Atlanta Hawks. And at one point he was considered a very big piece for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, if you go back, he's, he's part of, uh, I, I would argue, one of the more monumental trades in recent NBA history, uh, the draft night deal that sent Luka Doncic to the Dallas Mavericks and Trey Young to the Atlanta Hawks. He was the future for, or he became uh, what was the future first round pick in that trade. And it, look, his Hawks career, it, it didn't necessarily, like for a top 10 pick, he didn't blow anyone away, but it got off to a somewhat promising start. I mean, even, even last season for Atlanta, the stats uh, weren't terrible. He was averaging 12 points when he was with the Hawks. He was shooting 38% from three. He had moments of really good defense. He had that 20-plus point game against the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals like when he finally got healthy in that um, 2021 season that had people uh, very, very excited about what he could be. But ultimately, um, he was a little bit too shoot first on a team that had a bunch of guys who needed the ball and a bunch of guys who liked to score the basketball. And Atlanta ultimately didn't see much of a future for him there, though if you remember at the time, uh, their GM, uh, Travis Schlenk, came out and said, like, look, this and, and this might have just been a, a nice thing to say on the way out, but he said this trade wasn't really about us not wanting Cam. This, this was about acknowledging that he was not going to get the opportunity to become who he wanted to be in Atlanta. The unfortunate thing was he got traded to New York, another place, Alex. He did not have the opportunity to become what he could be. And uh, I, I, won't, I won't belabor the point because we, we've talked about um, why you and I were both really excited about him at points last year, but it was, was a real playmaker defensively. Um, was was pretty unselfish offensively. He was um, decently high up there, like 48th percentile in, in the league amongst wings, according to cleaning the glass in assist percentage, which was, um, again, very small sample size. It was 14 games with the Knicks, not playing a lot of minutes, but easily the highest assist percentage of his career. Um, the problem was he shot terribly, and the Knicks were very, very bad when he was on the floor. He was minus 11.6 per 100 possessions, which was just about the lowest on the team for anyone who played regularly, even lower than Julius Randle last year. Um, and on top of not shooting well, well, his mid-range shots are going, but he shot terribly from three. I think he was third percentile in the NBA and shooting from three, and he was sixth percentile in the entire NBA at finishing at the rim. So he was not uh, a quintessential efficient modern basketball player, despite very much resembling one in his physical attributes. And right when he started to play well, right when he had two good games, he had that shoulder injury and was out for the season. Yeah, and and the timing is what makes it so difficult to kind of nail down, like, well, where is he as a player right now? Because I, I guess you can only really use what he did with the Hawks as your evaluating tool for him at this point, because he just was never really given much of a shot on the Knicks right up until the moment when he got hurt. And it's it's sort of like the same thing we were just talking about last night after the first preseason game where it's like, man, it's unfortunate that he's like so snake bitten, uh, you know, and the, the fact that every time that he starts getting a chance on this team so far, he gets hurt. Uh, you know, last time it was the the uh, shoulder injury this time. Now it's the ankle sprain while tripping over a referee. It's just like I, I wish that there was a. a like just an easier way for him to find minutes and and find a consistent role and get a shot without having something catastrophic happen to him. Because uh, even this year, I think it's I I think it's going to be tough for him once Quentin Grimes is back because it seemed like in the first preseason game he was basically being just given the minutes that would have been going to Grimes. And once Grimes comes back, who knows what Cam is going to be able to get out of that? But that's more for I think in a second to talk about Gavin uh, once we get into some big questions for Cam going into this year. But first, I think we should probably let everybody know 
about betonline.net. And betonline.net is your number one source for football betting this season and for basketball betting that's coming up soon. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute uh, odds available for you on the site. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Gavin, do you have any lines that are standing out to you right now on betonline.net that you think are worth exploring? Yeah, you know, Alex, I, I flash forward to the uh, day of the year most excited about Knicks opening day, October 19th, 2022. Your New York Knicks take on the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are six and a half point favorites in that game. If I were an objective man, I would say take the six and a half points. The Grizzlies are really good, but I am not, Alex. I think the New York Knicks come out with some fire in their belly, looking to spoil um, what, what was just a celebration in Memphis all of last season. Jalen Brunson goes off. Julius Randle continues to hook. And your New York Knicks lose by three um, and, and and cover. So I would I'd throw some money down on, on the Knicks to, uh, to cover in that game. I like it, and I, I, I'm still riding that preseason game one high, so I completely agree with you. So head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, and we're back for our second segment of Locked On Knicks, this Cam Reddish preview. Gavin, I think a big prevailing question, and, you know, we've even acknowledged this ourselves, and and we've, you know, heard about it, like, in our YouTube comments or whatever, is Cam Reddish going to be in the rotation? Like we were trying to build a rotation a couple weeks ago, I think based off a mailbag question, and we completely ran through it being like, okay, well, this is how much Fournier gets, and this is how much Quickly gets, and this is how much Rose gets, blah, blah, blah. Well, you'd have to pretty much scratch Rose to get Quickly the minutes he needs. You know, you want to cut Fournier's minutes way down to get Grimes the minutes he needs, and this, that, and the other. And we like totally got through all that and then realized at the end of the show, like, oh my God, we didn't even bring up Cam Reddish's name once. And this was, you know, in our ideal world fantasy where we were allowed to build things exactly how we wanted to. It For all of the considerable gifts that Reddish has and for as good as he looked in that first preseason game, the time that he got to play and everything else, it's still difficult unless the Knicks really trim the fat for me to find minutes for him. You know, I just I find it really difficult to to find a spot for him to be able to get like even 10 minutes a game on this team because of the considerable depth that they have and not even just that veteran depth that I, I think we both agree that they need to cut down on some, but even the, the young depth on the team, I just think makes it very difficult for him to find minutes. I mean, where are you at with that right now? Like, do you see a world where he's going to be able to find minutes, even if the Knicks are like fully healthy this year? It, it, it's weird in a sense, right? Because he, technically plays the position that the Knicks are the least deep at, which is small forward. And I think RJ Barrett is the only other true small forward on this roster. Like in a, in a perfect world, Quentin Grimes is a, is a well-sized two instead of an undersized three. Um, and, and, and in, in that sense, I mean, NBA traditionalists would say, all right, so he's, he's clear your backup small forward. And I, I guess the other guys are just battling for playing time, but the issue is you're so overloaded at the point guard spot with Derek Rose, Jalen Brunson and Emmanuel quickly. And then you're, you're kind of overloaded at the two guard spot with, with quickly saying, all right, you got to bump him up. And then he's kind of competing for minutes there with Grimes and Fournier. So someone in that, in that hodgepodge just has to go out and then it, it just creates 
a different type of lineup than what we're going to see from the Knicks for likely the start of this season. I mean, to me, the obvious guy has always been Fournier, like at whatever point this season. Um, and uh, we're going to, uh, spoiler, he's going to be our next player preview. So we'll get into this scenario. But if the Knicks are, are looking like they're trending out of the playoff race and they want to move off some bets um, midseason, uh, you, you can hear the alarm bells ringing. That, that's Tom Thibodeau uh, heading straight to my house to, to murder me for even suggesting that scenario. But um I think that would be the world where Cam is all of a sudden playing big minutes. But in, in Tibbs' defense, look, I'll, I'll, I'll read what Tibbs said about him to the New York Post um, two days ago on Reddish. He said, we love his length. Long wings are important. He's been nicked up a little bit. So right now he's running the floor fairly well. He hasn't made shots yet. That's probably the biggest thing. That, that was, again, the, the thing last night, Alex, he did a lot of stuff well. He didn't make shots. Last season, until those final two games, he did a lot of stuff well. He didn't make shots at all. I'll fall back on this as as tantalized as I am by Reddish, as excited as I am about him. If he's not hitting threes at a 37% clip, if he can't finish at the rim, um, if he's not efficient in the mid-range, then I, I, I'm I okay with him not playing. And I don't think he deserves to play ahead of the guys that are going to be ahead of him to start the season. Yeah, what's unfortunate with him is that I do get the feeling that he is a rhythm player. And it's going to be really hard for him to find his rhythm if he doesn't get consistent playing time, but it's hard to justify giving him consistent playing time to find said rhythm. You know, it's just like this, this nonstop, like vicious cycle where you can't really exactly like you can't really solve the problem because to solve the problem, you have to do it at the detriment of other players that generally do kind of come in ready to rock. Like we saw Deuce McBride come in cold yesterday and, you know, put up like six steals and, you know, was hitting shots at a decent enough clip that you could justify like, okay, I think he's worth playing. And, you know, Quentin Grimes can come in for five minutes and still hit like two three-pointers because he just, he's ready to go at any given time. The You know, you break the glass and you bring him in and he's ready to rock. Cam Reddish is like a, like a car starting up in, you know, zero degree weather. Like you got to let him sit there and warm up for a couple minutes and then maybe you could shift him into gear and, and you'll start really seeing results. But if you try to, you know, shift him into gear too quick, you might have some bad stuff happen, you know, because he's just not, he's not the type of player that comes in and just like instantly impacts a game. I don't think uh, he's one that sort of needs that leeway, which is something that could be said for some of the other players on the Knicks too. Like I think Obi Toppin is in many ways that way. Like we saw last year when he kind of just got the freedom to play, he was able to then find his rhythm from three, which we saw even in the preseason game, Obi kind of struggles to find that rhythm from three when he's in there sporadically. Uh, and needs to sort of have that time to work through his mistakes in real time on the floor and find his rhythm that way. But Obi, I think, does other things better than Cam does, such as the finishing, which is like, okay, if Obi's not hitting threes, at least you can count on him to be able to like quickly get the ball on the perimeter and take two dribbles, get to the hoop, and throw it down, where I don't know if you necessarily have that same confidence in a guy like Cam Reddish yet, and that's where it's like, well, what can you count on? Because he's he's mostly, his utility comes as being a shooter on offense mostly, you know, and also being pretty good in transition, but mostly being a shooter. And so if he's not able to come in and shoot well right away, and then he also doesn't really have that ability to put it on the floor and get to the hoop and finish efficiently there, then you're talking about a guy that, unless you're dedicating significant time and resources to him, is not able to really... Uh, you know, prove his utility and and make his minutes worth something to you. So I don't know. It's it 
it it is. It's exactly what you said. It's a cash twenty two. I, I don't really know how to solve it uh, unless the Knicks basically reach a certain point this season where they say, you know, maybe it's after you move on from Tibbs. If you know the team doesn't start well in the early going of the season, maybe it's you know if you decide to finally move Julius Randle or whatever and lean into like you know what twenty twenty three's draft is pretty good. We're not doing great by about the halfway point of the season. Let's you know just kind of tank it out, which the Knicks don't normally do, but, you know, would maybe be a wise decision if they, if they find they're not in serious discussion for the playoffs by about the halfway point of this season. Uh, maybe then that's when you see more of Cam Reddish, because then you could say, you know what, if you miss like eight out of 10 shots in any given night, that's not really going to sink us because we're already sunk. Yeah. So you can go out there and just work through some stuff and maybe it'll be enough for us to give you a, a contract this coming off season. Cause that is ultimately the big thing that has to be figured out during the season is do you want to move forward with Cam Reddish after this year? Or do you want to maybe even not even offer him a qualifying offer and just let him walk away after this, after this coming season, after giving up a protected first round pick for him last year? Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm curious if he has any, like if, if, if his value is anything around the NBA at this point, like he, to, to our previous point, he got a heavily, heavily, heavily protected first round pick. Um, from the Knicks to the Hawks in that initial trade. I can't imagine the Knicks get anything more than a single second, maybe two seconds if there's one team that really liked him back in the draft. But rumor sort of had it. He was available from Atlanta for, I think, maybe at least a month before he got traded to the Knicks. And, and clearly no one was able to say, that guy's worth a top 10 protected first-round pick or a top 12 protected first-round pick, or else he would have ended up on that team. And and his value has unfortunately done nothing but the Klein since he went to the Knicks, if I were a team like the Spurs or the Jazz or, I mean, even even some a little bit better like Orlando or that Detroit team we just saw, I would I would throw a couple of second round picks to Knicks way because those are all teams that can plug him in where he's playing 20 minutes a game pretty quickly and he's not really stealing minutes from anyone who's an essential part of those teams' futures. Like he, he's a guy I'd want to take a chance on. Like in, in a world where I, I obviously hope this doesn't happen, but if RJ Barrett was out for 20 games. I'd be curious, like, if you, like, I, I honestly think there, there's a world where this is the scenario where he's just plugged into the starting lineup. Because if not, they just, they don't have a lot of size defensively as a starting group. If you're trying to play Grimes as your three and Fournier as your two, or, or even like quickly as your two and Fournier as your three, like that gets very, very iffy defensively. So maybe let's, let's take a break, Alex, and, and talk about this in just a sec. But if we're talking best case scenarios for Cam, it, it it's it sucks to say, but it might be his his best friend and RJ Barrett missing like some significant chunk of time this year because I do think that's the world where all of a sudden he gets a big enough opportunity to play through mistakes on this Knicks team. But we'll step aside. We'll talk about that scenario in just a sec right now on Locked On Knicks. All right, we are back. Third and final segment, Alex. I I just uh, I gave a horrific and sad scenario where things. Work out for Cam Reddish. Uh, do do you have a more optimistic one, or or will it take some kind of injury for him to get the chance to impress Tom Thibodeau and and the Knicks front office that uh, believed in him in the first place? Unfortunately, that's probably it. You know, I, I hate for that to be the scenario, but I think that you could reasonably see a world where he would take RJ's minutes if RJ would be to go down. Because again, you know, to your point, to end last segment, like there's nobody else on the team that can really viably play the three I don't think at least not like for more than just in spurts like I think you can off the bench play you know quickly 
uh, and then like McBride or Rose and Grimes for stretches because it's fine if you're a little undersized off the bench. Nobody's bench lineups are perfect. So as long as you could just outskill bench units, you're generally okay. But like starting lineups is where you're going to run into the the cream of the crop wings, you know, that you really need someone that's properly sized to deal with them. Like if you put if you put Grimes on LeBron, you know, Kawhi, uh, you know, any of the the premier, you know, wing talents in the league, it's going to be pretty rough to have him go out there and defend them for long stretches of time. I'm not necessarily saying that Cam Reddish would be doing like the ultimate knockup job of that either, but I think that he would at least give you the better length to to hold up to those guys and you know hopefully at least contain them a little more than a guy like a Grimes potentially could, and that might be underrating Grimes' switchability a bit too. But I, I think that's probably the the better scenario where you could say, you know, what, maybe by midseason Fournier even gets supplanted by Grimes, and then you could say, you know what, let's just have really good defenders that you know, most of the positions on the floor. <laughs> like, if you could have Grimes out there at the two, Reddish, again, I'm not saying that he's, like, all-world at defense, but has shown a pretty good ability to keep guys in front of him at the three and, you know, playing passing lanes, stuff like that. And then you have Mitchell Robinson at the five. That's not half bad, you know, if there's a scenario where RJ has to miss time. Same deal with, like, if Fournier has to miss time, if Grimes has to miss time. Those are scenarios where I could see some more playing time opening for him. Although, unfortunately, I think based out, off how Tibbs has talked, like it seems like he still is not totally sold on quickly the point guard. So I, I think, unfortunately, if those shooting guard types go down with an injury, that more opens up time for quickly than it necessarily does for like a reddish. Uh, but I, I guess we would see it would probably be situational type stuff where maybe the minutes of those guys, I guess, sort of split amongst quickly and reddish. But uh, unfortunately, I guess like, my overall takeaway is like, would that be enough, you know, and how much time would he need to get for you to properly get an eval on him? Because I think it's become obvious at this point between the Hawks and the Knicks that you need to dedicate some time, like real time on the court to this guy to see if he has what you want in a player to invest in him more. And I still just don't know you short of the Knicks having like three major injuries on the roster at any given time. I, I don't know if you could find the right amount of time to properly judge Cam on this team short of trading those guys away, you know, like the Fourniers, the Roses, the uh, – I, I guess those are kind of the only two. Maybe Randall, you know, maybe you get to see some experimental like RJ and Cam three, four minutes if you get rid of, uh, you know, Julius and then basically just have Obi Toppin on the roster as like your only true four. Maybe that's your scenario where – you get some cam minutes slash RJ minutes at the four and that lets the two of them play together a bit, but it's, it's really tough and it, it, it's unfortunate because I was intrigued by cam when they picked him up. I was disappointed to see that he didn't get a ton of minutes last year. I, I, I guess I would just hope that this year, if the Knicks find themselves in a similar spot to what they were last year, where the things are clearly going downhill and you don't really have anything to lose. I hope that they say, all right, at the expense of Fournier's minutes, at the expense of Randall's minutes, at the expense maybe even of RJ's minutes, who's more of a sure thing, you know, that you could give some rest down the stretch of the season to sort of, you know, keep him healthy and tuned up and everything. Maybe then you say, all right, well, let's find Cam some minutes because we have to, it, you got to just find the minutes and, and at least figure out what you want to do with them next summer. Cause if you can lock them up to a value deal and you think there's something more there, that's a great investment. If you want to just let him walk, you should probably know that ahead of time too. 
and maybe even do the the amicable thing for him and his agent and everything else and say, you know what, you know, we won't even tender you the qualifying offer. We'll just let you go. But it's it's a lot to think about with him going forward through this year. And, and unfortunately, there's no real easy solution, I don't think. Yeah, in, in a weird way. And this sucks to say for someone, I, I think I've made it clear on this pod, I, I really like as a player. But the best case scenario might be he's a trade chip in, in that deal we talked about a couple of days ago to the Lakers, a, a team that pursued him pretty aggressively before the deadline, even after he got traded to the Knicks. There were rumors in, in, in the month preceding the deadline that the Knicks would in turn flip him over to L.A. And if that interest still holds strong, and I, I could see why it would, like another lengthy 3 and D guy with, with some ball handling around LeBron makes a whole lot of sense for them. Like if, if you're throwing him into that, uh, whatever hodgepodge of players from Fournier, Randall, Rose um, that the Lakers would want, and the Knicks are getting one or two first-round picks back for that, I'm fine. I'm okay with that. I mean, I, I just I just don't see it for Cam on the Knicks at this point. Again, unless I, I really do think RJ getting hurt is, is the one guy that you, you kind of say, all right, he's going to slot in for 25 minutes a night because I don't think Tibbs, to your point, is running out Evan Fournier against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and, and saying, all right, Evan, you you got him. Go get him. Have fun. Um, I, I don't I don't think that happens. I think Cam, just for defensive purposes, would would walk into at least 20 minutes a game. Um, and that, but that's really the only way he does this year. So I, I think it's going to be in a trade if, if things work out for him, but, uh, we can, we can wrap on this. Do you, do you think he's on the team past the trade deadline this year? I don't know. That's tough. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, it's so hard to predict. I, my gut's kind of saying yes. Like, I, I don't know. Weirdly, I, I kind of just feel like they're going to hold on to him it seemed like this regime is not particularly fond of fire sailing at all uh, around the trade deadline. It seems like, you know, they've made a few trades here and there, but usually they, they just make like one small trade every year. And it's mostly been attempting to be a buyer rather than a seller. Like last year it was cam the year before that it was Derek Rose. Like they just kind of make one move around the margins that they think, you know, this might be good, but they've never like, I mean, we've seen them sort of sit on their hands with guys like Alec Burks and whatever. And, you know, guys that had even more utility than a cam and not traded them for one reason or another. And I don't know if that's just because they felt they couldn't get equal value or that they didn't think they could come out on top in that trade or whatever the case may be. But, you know, it, it seems like that's sort of their, their benchmark now. Uh, is like we have to feel really good about this deal, and generally we're going to try to add to the team rather than subtracting. Uh, so I would be honestly like, I'll be more inclined to believe that they would go after like. I mean, I guess that's the tricky part now is they don't really have anyone on the roster that I'll consider like flotsam anymore, like Knox sort of was, where it's just like okay, Knox plus this heavily protected pick gets us Cam Reddish, which is a better upside bet. Like, the, I guess Cam sort of is the closest thing they have to like a Knox now at this point, like a guy that's just all potential that is going to probably be out of the rotation, but clearly I think has more going for him than a Kevin Knox, but I, I don't know. Maybe I just kind of flip flop my own argument there, but still, I think just based off the talent that he has, I think they would talk themselves into like, well, even if we're not playing him a ton, we'll let him hit restricted free agency. Maybe we'll match a contract. Maybe he signs the qualifying offer, you know, whatever, like maybe we can get him back for one more year after this. What they would do with them in that one more year, I have no idea. But I, I don't know. It's it. I just don't know if I see them trading him unless it's unless it's for like a clear and present upgrade, which 
maybe that's the one scenario where they almost treat him like an ox and combine him with maybe the Dallas pick this year, which has more value than that Hornets pick that they traded last year and try to get an even bigger upgrade this year using Reddish. Though I don't, I would be lying if I said I knew what that upgrade would be, but maybe, maybe that's the move. I don't know. I guess all in all, <laughs> that all just brings me to say, you know what? I think I'm about 50 50, which is like the most wishy washy <laughs> answer out there, but yeah. I could see a world where they keep them or a world where they don't. Yeah. I, I think the, the only thing we haven't really talked about is like, what if he got way better over this summer? But I, I just go back to that quote that we got from Tibbs like a few days ago that he's, he's, he's still like not hitting shots consistently yet. And, and that's, that's, it's, it's a very simple game sometimes. That, that's, that's what it boils down to. So that is it for our Cam Reddish conversation. Um, Hopefully he's he's healthy and that sprained ankle isn't too bad and we, we get to see more of him this preseason or at least uh, early in the regular season. If he does somehow crack his way into the rotation, all, all I can say is we're, we're both rooting for the guy. And I, I think the, the best version of him uh, is unique on this Knicks team and, and potentially makes them much better. Um, but that is it for today's edition of Locked on Knicks. Tune in tomorrow where we will talk about Evan Fournier. Um, but until then, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. Talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks. Peace out.